everybody. Welcome to the From the Sidelines podcast. My name is Noah Tyree, and I'm here with Chad Davis, Devin Davis, and Josh Duvall. How's it going? How's it going? And today, we're going to talk about some sports. Feel free to follow us on our Instagram and Twitter, at TheFTSPod. Don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube accounts. And send in questions or comments to us at TheFTSPod at gmail.com. And let's go ahead and get this started. All right, so guys... How have your days been? Uh, it's been peachy. Well, I don't care because we got some sports to talk about. Kicking it off with the national championship game of the NCAA Monday night between the Virginia Cavaliers and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. What are y'all's opinions on that? Not, not going to lie. I thought it was going to be a bad game. And it looked like it was headed in that direction in the first <laughs> few minutes. But then, then it actually picked up. And I actually enjoyed watching it. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, the game started out with both teams shooting a combined 1 of 10 from the field, but yet when overtime, <laughs> I saw nobody complaining. Did you all complain? I wanted overtime. I did. I, I More basketball for me. I'll take that. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it was great once overtime. That, once that game's over, uh, NCAA is no more until yep. next year. So Spoil sad. me. <laughs> yep, spoil me with as much basketball as you want. Honestly, uh, I thought that Virginia could have won by like way more. I thought they should have won by like twenty, but because they were their offensive rebounding was insane against the Texas Tech. Yeah, they Texas Tech did not rebound very well. No, Virginia had so many second chance points. It was insane. Agreed. Hey, Noah, how about your guy Matt Mooney though? He showed up. Uh, Matt Mooney only had only got. 10 points that game, which is I, I, being a big Matt Mooney fan and getting 10 points in just a little bit over 40 minutes kind of makes it hard for some fandom. But I I guess everybody has a bad night. Maybe not on the nights to have bad nights, but I guess that's the case. I still stand hard in my fandom. Speaking of bad nights, Jarrett Culver didn't really show up again. Uh, again. He did at the end of the game a little bit, but that's probably yeah. where his five field goals came from. The other 22, uh, yeah, they didn't go in. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, He hit some nice shots. I thought that spinning layup towards the end of the game to put to kind of what we thought ice it was. I, I thought that was really nice on him. But other than that, he <laughs> he's really inconsistent, like J.R. Smith inconsistent. <laughs> Just from these final uh, these final two games alone, I thought. Was the stage too big for him? Like, was 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 just the final four stage just too big for him? I think it was. I think it was the defensive attention, just being such a prominent, prolific scorer on a team where Matt Mooney is your second best they player. Don't. Absolutely. Uh, once you take that vocal point off of him, it's really hard for Texas Tech to get going. Uh, we found that out, I think. France, though, off the bench, he had 17. Yeah, very big spark plug for that game. That him and uh, him and Mooney for the shots he did hit are the reason they were in that game. I agree. I agree. Yep. But I will say this: that uh, another person that for Virginia kept him in the game was certainly uh, DeAndre Hunter. <laughs> I think that's unanimously agreed. Correct. Yep. Yeah, yep. 27 points, 9 rebounds. He went off, and he shot 4 or 5 from 3. And including the go-ahead 3 with 2 minutes left in overtime. Hey, I, got one shots. Thing, I got one thing to say. Onions! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, more outrageous calls by Jim Nance. Thank you. <laughs> 
That's part of my trend. To me, guys, I wanted to ask you all this question. Out of the big three with Hunter, Guy, and Jerome, which one do you think played a bigger part out of the whole game? Because Kyle Guy did get the outstanding player after the game, but I felt like DeAndre Hunter played a big part. I just want to know. Your I think thoughts. I think in the championship game, DeAndre Hunter definitely played the best. But uh, I think between the two, like the Final Four game and championship game, between both of those, I I would go with Kyle Guy, just because he's the reason they got to the championship. Without him, like they wouldn't have been there. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kyle Guy, just because he was the more consistent player. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a reason uh, we coined him as uh, the GOAT in episode two. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, he's and, a big old GOAT. And, and talking as uh, Virginia as a whole, this was only the third Final Four appearance in the history of the program, but yet has always battled with the uh, defining the dominance between Duke and North Carolina and them. Uh, seeing how they came from the lowest of lows, losing to a 16 seed last year, and to now beating... Uh, overcoming the odds of the Duke super team and North Carolina and Nasir Little, uh, do you think that they took over the ACC as of right now? I still think Duke and North Carolina are the powerhouse of powerhouses of the ACC. Like, you, know, it, you know they're going to be great every year. And like, Virginia is usually good every year, but they're kind of kind of hard to predict sometimes. Yeah. And like yeah. you said, they've only been to the Final Four three times. Like, think about how many times North Carolina and Duke have throughout – history you know yep absolutely absolutely can't beat those blue blood schools there and honestly the acc hasn't hasn't been that good as people think especially the bottom half of the league like the top half is still amazing i mean they got three one seeds in the tournament but the bottom half has just not been as good absolutely what are your thoughts on the uh controversial review to switch the possession from Texas Tech to Virginia and essentially ice the game. Are we are we going to talk about the Are you talking about the out-of-bounds call? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, here's here's what I think about it. Um, <laughs> it was an I think it was an obvious foul on Kyle Guy because before the ball even rolled out of bounds, Kyle Guy grabbed his arm, preventing him from getting, getting the ball. So the out-of-bounds call shouldn't have played zero effect in it at all because there was a foul before it went out, but they just missed that. I guess standing two feet away from the player is not far enough for the ref, so they need to go a little closer. I don't know. I definitely don't <laughs> think it was like indisputable evidence, though, to overturn the call. Definitely Clearly, not. You could not tell if his pinky was in contact with the ball. A microsecond review should not be something that determines a game of that magnitude. And it's, and it's not like his hand changed the direction of the ball. Because uh, when Hunter hit it out of his hands, it kept going in the same direction. So maybe right. it skimmed off his finger. I don't know. It was hard to tell. He got hacked on the arm before that, which set that play up in the first exactly. place. So exactly. the least they could do is give Texas Tech the ball back. Exactly. That's what I think, but I agree. Know, obviously, well. the they thought differently. Well, I <laughs> I feel like the rest of that game is just a whole subject in a whole, but <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll I think the refs. That. I think the refs throughout the whole tournament uh, have not been that great. Throughout the whole like year, have not been yeah. that great. Um, I've got I for one have uh, quite a bit problems with the refs. Uh, for one. Uh, defenders grabbing and holding and hacking players without whistles being blown, a.k.a. Kyle Guy there at the end of the game. 
drawing the most absurd charges. Like, I can't tell you how many times a player will drive to the basket and the defender will lean on top of them and then fall over and then the, that they would get called with a charge. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just needed to rant about the rest because I don't think they've been good. What do you Did all you all think the – let's see. DeAndre Hunter, I think, was facing towards the basket and then one of the Texas Tech guards was driving – and then he turns around and takes the charge right as the guy, the Texas Tech player, I can't oh, think of his name, absolutely. got to him. Was that a charge to you all? No, his feet were not set even near. No. You could still yeah. see his ankle turning in the replay <laughs> to get set. Exactly. Uh, no, he was not set in the least bit, and there's no argument to it. Okay, I, I was just making sure I wasn't the only one because I and know the commentators and Gene Sterator thought it was a good call. I'm just over here like, absolutely not. not he didn't even lower his shoulder, and the defender clearly wasn't even set. So, yeah, absolutely. What are our thoughts on the tournament as a whole? I, I felt like it was a good tournament for what it was. I felt like there was a lot of close games between the lower and high seeds, but a lot of calls kind of prevented it from being a better tournament, you know? There there were a lot of close games, a lot of games that went into OT and games that were won by single digits, and I feel like, you know, I agree. I think some of the refs played a factor in those games, determining wins, but overall, I feel like it was pretty good. I definitely thought uh, the first weekend was a bit subpar, very chalky, a lot of blowouts, a lot of low-scoring games. I definitely think once the Sweet 16 hit and we had all the top-tier, upper-high seeds going head-to-head, uh, it was definitely a great tournament for the past uh, two weekends. Well, yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. I didn't really enjoy particularly the first two rounds, but uh, once the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 with all the, all the top-tier teams went at it, that I, I enjoyed watching those games. I felt like uh, the first two rounds had a lot of chokes. A lot of a lot of giving up leads. Uh, Belmont, Gardner, Webb, a lot a lot of teams that could have made some history yep. in the tournament. Yeah. They, they let that go, and uh, I don't know how to really feel about it. I felt like they could have made the tournament a lot more watchful. You know what I mean? The Louisville game as well. Absolutely, Tennessee, good Tennessee point. Good point. Almost blew the lead against Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tennessee against Purdue. <laughs> Or, no, Iowa, you're right, you're right. My yeah, it was Iowa. Yeah. They're both yeah. black and gold, yeah. yellow, whatever. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, no, they're the same thing. <laughs> but, no, that was a remarkable comeback by Iowa. Like, the way that first half was going in that game, I didn't – Tennessee was just dominating them. I didn't yeah, see I, any way Iowa was going to come back. But they did. So, Brand McCaffrey, good job. Coaching indeed. Coaching up at halftime. Right, guys. Uh, let's move on to some NBA. I wanna, I wanna hear your opinions on this. Dwayne Wade or Paul Pierce? Wade. Yeah, Wade. Wade. All right, that's the end of that segment. So let's, uh, to Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki, how about their final games? I, uh, I just feel old, even talking about this. I really do. <laughs> and. I, I feel like they're the last of a blue-collar champion that comes in the league and tries to get what they want, not go and have it handed to them by a super uh, team. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just I, – I don't know. What are your thoughts? I agree. You know, um, they're two of the most loyal players that 
you can think of, um, especially in the NBA now, you know, with players it's like going to team after team, trying to find a super team. I think, you know, Dwayne and Dirk definitely stuck to their roots and really tried to get tried to earn their championship rather than just go somewhere and have it handed to them. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk played his entire <clears throat> career with Dallas. I commend mm-hmm. him for that. That's 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 applaudable. Yeah, he's yeah, the third player all time with 30,000 career points with one franchise. 14 time yeah. All Star, 16 time player of the uh, week. Uh, player, uh, wait, no, six time player of the month, excuse me. 16 time player of the week. 12 uh, time All NBA, third in career games, six in all time scoring. Tallest player to reach 1,500 threes, which I thought I didn't think I'd hear a stat like that. 21 seasons and a 50 40 90 club. Yeah, he is crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane, especially for a man that's what six eleven, seven foot, draining yeah, he's, trees like nothing. He's seven feet, and I, dude, one of the greatest experiences I've had watching Dirk is when they beat the Miami Heat in the in the championship. That yeah, that was unbelievable. Like I, yeah, I think it's unanimous. Is crazy. I think across this country, not just in this podcast, guys. That Dirk's one ring is has more equivalence than KD's two. And oh yeah, not, oh for sure, no doubt, no definitely, doubt, definitely. And how about the the each of their last home games last night? They each scored thirty points each. Insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. And not to mention, Dwayne Wade drops a triple double tonight in Brooklyn, and Dirk Nowitzki drops twenty and ten. Doesn't That's it make a you great look? way to go out. That's an amazing way to go out. That makes me long, long for the old days. That It really does. I remember when I was a kid watching those two players. It makes me sad that they're, that they're retiring. Except for when Dwayne Wade uh, went off against Kentucky in the tournament. That was, oh. weird, but... uh, <laughs> that was rough. That was that rough. Was rough. Uh, he was an All-American in college, so I guess I'll accept it. Well, speaking of Dwayne Wade, his career stats are equally as good as his. <laughs> Especially his 2008-2009 year where he ultimately should have got MVP. Um, he got a career high in 55. First in a two-point field goal percentage uh, attempted with 1461. First in two-point field goals made with 766. Like he, his 2008-09 year is one for the ages. It absolutely oh, yeah. is. I agree. I agree. 30, po- 30 points a game, 36.2 usage percentage, and third in MVP shares. Uh, it can go up there with one of the greater seasons that a player can have. Prime absolutely. Wade. Prime Wade is, was amazing. He definitely ranks probably third best shooting guard of all time. Yep. Yep. I, I have zero doubt in my mind about that. Absolutely. You know what I really like? I like Big Baller Brand. I like LeVar Ball. I think they're pretty cool. You know who plays on the Lakers? Lonzo. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's not cool? The Los Angeles Lakers this season. <laughs> yep. that's, that's about all we're saying about the Lakers season. Uh, I, guess, I guess we should just start off with the daily news. Uh, Magic Johnson stepping down from the Lakers. <laughs> uh, I think his sole job was to get LeBron. It was. And uh, he succeeded ultimately. Uh, and he failed. <laughs> yeah, he, he failed in every other aspect. But you get LeBron to L.A., so good for you. Uh, the Anthony Davis trade fiasco. Now, 
does anybody have the trade from there? Anybody? Uh, the entire Lakers team for Anthony Davis. <laughs> They're playing for the next four years. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Lonzo, Kuzma, Rondo, picks. Like, I. For it, Anthony Davis. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, your medical training staff costed you 212 games between your players. That that shouldn't even happen. <laughs> Is yeah, that right? no, I, I agree. <laughs> That's insane. That's I, crazy. I've never heard of a stat like that. Have you? I, I, <laughs> I also think the Lakers are just toxic because when you look at the success that players like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle and Brooke Lopez have had as soon as they leave the Lakers, it's really uh, mind boggling. Yeah, I really wish Julius Randle would have stayed for the Lakers. It would have been very, very good for them because he was a double-double machine. Like, Imagine if LeBron had Julius with his double-doubles every night. Or and D'Angelo. Le- yeah, imagine just those moves. Imagine Brooke if he was making the threes he's making this year for Milwaukee. All these moves could have helped LeBron. And right now, we could be saying the Lakers are a third seed in the West. Hey, you gotta give you gotta give Magic Johnson credit though. He traded D'Angelo Russell to get get some cap space so he could sign, you know, Lance Stevenson, uh, John Rondo. <laughs> oh yeah, oh you know, yeah, yeah. Just just the stars and studs. The stars of the, of the league. league, yeah. Prime time all stars. You're right. Getting rid of D'Angelo Russell to get rid of Mozgov's contract. Get some cap space. Yeah, those building, are the moves that matter. Building <laughs> a super team in in themselves. Couldn't land Paul George. Not gonna land Kawhi. It's a disaster. Yeah. I don't see the Lakers doing anything. What do you all think? What are your expectations for next season for the Lakers in the offseason? I, I really can't say anything until free agency gets here. I want to see if LeBron brings in the next, you know, uh, Kawhi or somebody, or they're going to bring in <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't even name a free agent. Did, did they make, did they make the AD trade? I'm sorry? Did they make the AD trade this summer? I no, I feel like Boston's gonna put up a better fight for that. Uh, I feel like I feel like Kyrie has better influences towards Boston because they're trying to build their own legacy up away from LA with their rivalry going on. I feel like that's a whole different case. I also uh, think that the way that that trade went around the first the first time around, or that embarrassment, I should say, I don't know if they're gonna come to an agreement. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they will either. That that kind of shows instability, doesn't it, within the franchise? Just that trade alone, like they oh, could yeah. bl- they could blow the contract they give to Anthony. Like right now, they're kind of doing with LeBron, but that's a different. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I would like to see Anthony Davis play for Boston, though. That would be that would put the East back on the map for sure. Absolutely. What do you think about the other LA team making the playoffs and not this one? Does that show that Magic Johnson's tenure kind of failed? Well, the Clippers, they used to have DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, Tobias Harris, all these good players that they traded away. And I just think that they, they're, they're scrappy. They're a scrappy team. They're, like, they're a team you don't think, think of, of being good or a playoff team. But they surprised, they, they've surprised this year. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they were sellers at the trade deadline, moving Tobias Harris for the 2021 Miami Heat pick, which is very coveted. But uh, I definitely think <laughs> that when you have a solid sixth man of the year every year in Lou Williams, and you have players like uh, Gallinari and Beverly who are just kind of 
scrappy Montres Harrell came onto the scene this year. Um, definitely some just solid under the radar players that definitely um, stepped up for the Clippers this year in uh, kind of an underappreciated respect. I agree. Agreed. And their ball movement is so smooth. Like the only way a team like that can get to the playoffs is if they pass the ball and play as a team. And that's definitely what they've been doing. Absolutely. And I think that's what Doc Rivers installs into his team, doesn't he? He, he did that with the Boston team a decade ago. <laughs> you feel old yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul Pierce was on that team. He's better than Dwayne Wade. Did you know that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard that. And uh, I just – I'm. it's good to know that Doc Rivers can do this with any team and not just that team. But speaking of Doc Rivers, let's move on to the postseason awards. And since we're talking about him, I guess we'll start with Coach of the Year. What are your all thoughts? Mike Budenholzer. Really? Yep. They're the Bucks, and they're the first seed in the West or the <laughs> East. <laughs> I, I'm like the Bucks. Like before they got Giannis, have they ever been good in recent years? Solid, but they've never been a one seed in the East solid. They've never been a powerhouse in the NBA like they are this year. No, you're exactly right. I mean, the roster was very similar to last year when Jason Kidd was a, a debacle of, a, of an experiment. <laughs> yeah, well, that's also the uh, other factor in this. Last year was yeah. Jason Kidd. This year's Mike Budenholzer. So. <laughs> I, think, I think Mike Budenholzer will win, but if it's not him, my only other uh, – my only other guess would be Mike Malone, because I think the Nuggets have done outstanding this year, and the way Jokic has improved his game is insane, and I just think they've done really good as well. Yeah, I could. I don't have a problem with Mike Malone either. I don't have a, a problem with Mike either, but I also, like, like we were talking about earlier, uh, Doc Rivers has a shot at this, because he led the Clippers, not the Lakers, the team everybody thought was a guaranteed third seed in every draft every mock playoff picture there was and showed that through team perseverance and through ball movement, like Josh had said, uh, you can get anywhere in this league. And now they're in the playoffs like nobody ever thought. So Definitely. maybe Doc Rivers. Uh, that's my second candidate behind uh, Coach Bud. Uh, well, also with Coach Bud, like you're, Chad has a very valid point with him because Milwaukee can play any style of ball efficiently and keep up with the best because of Mike Budenholder's operations. They can shoot with Houston, shoot the three ball all night. They can play bully ball when they want to go small and spread the floor. Or they can also spread the floor when they want to go big with D-Cuz and, I guess, 37-year-old Andrew Bogut. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, oh, boy. Yeah, but outside of those two, I don't see any competition for Coach. Maybe Mike Malone, like you said. But All right, guys, what do you think? What are your predictions for most improved player? Uh, I'll go D'Angelo Russell or Pascal. I'll, I'm, I'll going go Pascal. I'm going Pascal. I'm going Pascal. I'm going Pascal Siakam, yes. Okay. You, uh, okay, usually I like to disagree with you all, but I'm going to go Siakam as well. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll throw D'Angelo in there because he led a Brooklyn team to the playoffs. That's enough to say right there. True. No more. No more to say. And he's had career highs across the board, averaging 21-7 and I think 5 yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. But also at the same time, Pascal, when he gets a double double, is 14 and three with Toronto, and he's doubling his scoring averages. So exactly. I can see both arguments here. He had like seven points a game last year, and this year he's averaging 17. 
Siakam is one of those players that kind of just came out of nowhere. And he's he's such an important part of the way the Raptors have been able to been able to play this year. Um, and going back to D'Angelo Russell, he's added four and a half points per game and added two assists per game uh, uh, over last year's stats. And when you think about Siakam not playing organized basketball, so he's 18 coming out of Cameroon, um, playing in the whack rather than a power five, and still being a first round pick. I mean, he's definitely made the jump this year with an impressive uh, shooting split of 55, 37, and 79. So when you think about that, those percentages from a big man, uh, only his third season, he's definitely made a huge jump this year. All right, up next, what do you all think about the sixth man of the year? Uh, Lou Will, no come. Lou Williams. <laughs> all right. Lou Williams. All right. <laughs> Once again, we're on to the next segment. All right. Uh, what do you all think of rookie of the year? Can I go Luca without Trey Young being brought into this, or is that not a thing? <laughs> I'm gonna. I no. agree. I think we I'm all agree Luka. that it should be Luca, but I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna talk about Trey as to why he should not be. Okay. 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 Sit back and relax. Trey Young has as the first half of his rookie season had an incredibly inefficient shooting performance just the entire first half of the year, and. I'm not sure why people are just dismissing that because that that part of the year counts too. And Luca has been has been just as good if not better the entire year consistently. And I know Trey Young has popped off the past two months to finish the season, but and he's just and he's a horrible defender, let's be honest. <laughs> he can't play defense. And I just yeah. think Luca is by far the just the obvious choice in my opinion. Well, there, there's not many guards that come from overseas, nonetheless, under the age of 20 to become instant television. Like, just because of the way they play and what they average and what they become over here. It's just that doesn't happen. I agree. Yeah, and the, the, I think uh, the, the advanced stats really support uh, the case for uh, Doncic over uh, Trey Young. When you look at his value over a replacement player, he leads the rookie class in 3.5. He's second out of uh, the rookie class in box plus minus. And then when you look at his uh, true shooting and effective field goal percentages, uh, he's definitely beating Trey Young in those categories. So I think when you look at the advanced analytics, uh, I definitely take Luka. Yeah. And, And like like uh, like Chad said, uh, even though Trey Young is playing absolutely phenomenal these past couple months, there's no denying that um, Luca is simply averaged what he has averaged uh, for a longer time, and that just shows consistency over inconsistency. And I feel like that's an argument that nobody can beat. Exactly. All right, guys, let's move on to the next one. Defensive Player of the Year. What do y'all think? Uh, Greek freak. So is that, this, is that what I'm hearing? Or uh, we got some, I'm hearing got Paul some, George. Pa- Paul George. Paul George. Yep. I, I'm going to say he did not make my short list. I, yeah, I can't say he made mine either. Mine really? either. So is this a Homer pick, or we got some? This is this is my Homer pick, actually. Um, okay. I would like to see him win it, just because I feel like he is an MVP candidate, but he's also averaging a career high in steals this season. 
which is something that I think is really impressive because, you know, uh, when looking at uh, Defensive Player of the Year, a lot of the times, you know, it's a big man like Rudy Gobert last year, and they tend to look at the blocks rather than the steals. And I think the way, you know, Paul Paul George defends, uh, I think he he should have a shot, but will he win? I don't know. To me, it's just def- Defensive Player of the Year is a two-man race between Giannis and Rudy Gobert. Yep, I can agree. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Rudy on this. I absolutely agree. I think I think Rudy can do it again. I think I think he's earned it. You know the way he's played in this league, everybody looks at him as a defensive player, and with his wingspan, he, he's like a giant like praying mantis. I don't know. He's just <laughs> a giant he's insane. Yep, <laughs> that's that's my comparison. I like I like the I like the analogy. I was just going to say, he's just this tall tower that stands in front of the basket. And yeah. he, he has the ability to alter just about any shot. And, and that allows the, his other teammates to guard the perimeter better, since he's so reliable under the rim. So they don't really have to bring any help defense in the paint. And not, and not only is he a tall tower, but he's a tall tower for the number two officially ranked defense in the league with Utah. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can help your team get to the second defensive part of the league, then you've done something right, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Rudy is a uh, big, big guy, you know, big, big guy uh, with <laughs> big, very big, stats. big guy. <laughs> All right. Imagine and... if Gordon Hayward would have stayed. Oh, my God. Donovan Mitchell, Gordon Hayward and Rudy. Yeah. That's insane. Oh, this is this is something for another time, guys. I can right. talk about that all day. <laughs> All right, and now we jump into the topic that you guys have all been waiting for. A race between two horses, I would say. Um, I don't think there's a wrong answer in this case, but uh, I'd definitely like to hear uh, what you guys think for uh, the MVP. I think it's Harden or Giannis. Do we agree on that? Yeah. It's like big freak. Okay, well, here's my argument for both, and I have, <laughs> I'm reading this right off my notes. <laughs> Harden is the better scorer, but Giannis is more accurate. Harden is the better passer and ball handler, but Giannis is the better defender and rebounder. Take Giannis off the Bucks, and they're lucky to make it to an ace seed. Take Harden off the Rockets, and they're lucky to make it to an ace seed. Harden has had the most historic scoring season since Wilt, and it's not even debatable. But Giannis has led a Bucks team that no one even thought would get to, what, a fourth seed? To over 60 wins in a first seed in the Eastern Conference. I this argument can go both ways, and I honestly can't choose. I'm taking Giannis. Why? Why? Because he took that Bucks team to the first seed, and he's averaging almost 28 points. He's averaging 12.5 rebounds and six assists, and being a power forward, averaging six assists is awesome. And not nonetheless, his rebounds and scoring, I think that's just incredibly efficient at the rate he's doing it at. His field goal percentage is a career high. He's just balling out, and I think he deserves Hey, Josh, can you tell me the one player in NBA history that's averaged the same stat line that Giannis has put up this year? I don't know. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, averaging 27, 12, 5, and a block shot per game. Definitely some elite company when you look at uh, Giannis's case for MVP. <laughs> well, I think if you're in the company of the all-time leading scorer in the league, I think that's pretty elite. My, my thing against Harden... He's he's too big of a ball hog. 
I think he's just he just dribbles at the top of the key for a little bit, tries to shake his defender, and then travels and shoots a three. Well, at yep. the same time, the thing with Harden is he shakes the defender so well. Like, you can't drop 40 a game and not be able to do that. Yeah. But you I mean, shake the defender so well by getting away with a travel every time. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. The gap on the defensive side of the ball is just, like, insurmountable in my opinion. My vote goes to Giannis, but it's definitely close. My vote goes to Giannis as well. What do you think, Noah? Uh, This is one of the harder ones I've had to choose within the last couple years, but uh, I'm going to have to go Giannis. All right, Devin. I'll make it a clean sleep. I'm going Giannis. So I have this buck stat for y'all. They have the NBA's best record, and they're the eighth team in history with 45 double-digit wins in a season. And the previous seven, guess what? Went on to win the title. <laughs> so it sounds like, a, sounds like a good omen. I, I'm, uh, let's go Bucks. That's what I got to say. All right, as we wrap up the show, I just wanted to kind of promote an opportunity, a kind of a game we're hosting as a podcast. Uh, the NFL Draft is coming up uh, later this month. Uh, so as a podcast, we're going to be hosting a Predict the Pick game on NFL.com. So if you avid listeners would like to join us in making a mock first-round NFL draft and uh, try to defeat the four of us, or none of us, depending on your uh, competency, uh, then uh, we'd love to have you join our group. So you would just simply need to go to NFL.com, predict the pick, uh, join the group. The group name is From the Sidelines. Uh, you will find the four corresponding hosts in the group. Uh, just make your picks for the first round and join the group, and we'll uh, post the results after the draft. Uh, we'll have the link on our Twitter account if you would like to use the invite link, uh, reference it there. And so go ahead, leave a follow on our Instagram and our Twitter account, at the FTS Pod. And if you have any comments, suggestion, or feedback, feel free to email us at the FTS Pod at gmail.com. Bye, have a great time. Bye, have a great time.